Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. What happened to the church, to the living, powerful, transformative, nation-shaking Christianity? This is a communist. These are atheists trying to figure out what's the deal with America. So they do a 20-year study with empirical evidence. And the results are, this is what they come to. The reason America is our arch nemesis and they're the most powerful country in the world and the richest country in the world and and causing us constant troubles as communists is because America is founded on biblical Christian truth. And I'm reading this in an airplane landing in Washington, D.C., and I'm fighting back the tears thinking about what this means. Communist Chinese atheists have said, you know, the reason why America is great is because of Christianity. And I'm landing in Washington, D.C. and realizing hardly any of the people in that Capitol building truly believe that. Ministers are standing in their pulpits and they're lying to young people, telling them that Jesus and the contents of the Bible supports Marxism and communism. We're at a tipping point in Western civilization, and it's really serious. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we've got such an important topic today. Um, The new documentary is coming out called, it's out now, Enemies Within the Church. We've got Pastor Kerry Gordon with us, and friends, I pray that you would continue to listen through this whole podcast, because there will be some things you will hear that you did not know were happening in the American church and denomination. So please stick with us. We've been talking about many of these issues for years, the social justice apostasy, um, but it, it has taken a new level, and it's dangerous. As he just said, it's really serious. So we're going to talk about what happened to American Christianity, and it's a brand-new documentary you can get. Uh, the website is enemieswithinthechurch.com. And it exposes what Christians need to know. Um, So let's introduce Pastor Kerry Gordon. He's the co-producer. He narrated the new documentary. He serves on the pastoral team of Cornerstone Church in Sioux City, Iowa, as senior pastor and president. He also serves as the president of Peacemakers Institute, a theological school dedicated to equipping conservative thinkers with the tools necessary to achieve victory in the American culture war Pastor Kerry Gordon, thank you so much for your time this morning. It's great to be with you. I appreciate the honor to speak with your audience, and I hope we have a wonderful time this morning. We're looking forward to it, and our listeners are probably uh, just waiting to hear about this new documentary. Um, as you know, we before we got on the air this morning, we just chatted briefly, and I told you the reason that this podcast began was because of the social justice movement in America, in our churches, and um, how Jim Wallace came on the scene, was speaking at Christian festivals and others from the left, and we we're going, wait a minute, what, uh, this um, American Christianity has been hijacked, and so you put this all together throughout the last several years. Tell us a little bit about what birthed this idea in you, or what brought you and those who produced it to the decision to make this documentary at this time. Well, the original concept for it, uh, ironically, began with our director, because he had just finished creating a movie called Enemies Within, which came out several years ago, and that movie highlighted the overwhelming evidence that somewhere around, uh, I think between 150 and 200 members of the United States Congress were either directly or indirectly affiliated with communist organizations in the United States, and that there was a uh, very, very identifiable political movement in the United States to turn us into a socialist, uh, transitory type of a socialist government with the agenda, ultimately, of becoming communist. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback in that movie. People said, oh, you can't say communist. We don't have communists here. And a lot of people ignored uh, the movie. But the director had spent so much time, that's Judd Saul, 
and researching and digging and just bringing out overwhelming evidence that it was true. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, after the movie came out, and after all the resistance, mainly from Republicans and conservatives saying, oh, you shouldn't say communist, that's too harsh. Well, then, you know, Barack Obama obviously was a communist. He would never admit it openly that I'm aware of. He mm-hmm. sort of would dodge that question. But then when you had Bernie Sanders come out unapologet- unapologetically, he's just saying, look, I'm a communist. I love communism. We need to be communists. Well, then it kind of ripped the lid off of that. <laughs> and made it politically correct to use the communist word. So what happened was the movie was done. Um, when you do movies like this, it tends to be the tip of the spear cutting edge. You get a lot of resistance from all the people that are, that most of your audience probably looks up to. And a lot of the famous conservative talking heads and both radio and television, uh, when the TV's turned off, you find out they're not nearly as bold as you think they are. And they, they resist movements like ours movies like ours Mm -hmm. because they think that we're just bomb throwers we get accused of wearing tinfoil hats and stuff like that so the movie was done millions of people saw the movie um time went by and has completely exonerated the movie team that they were exactly (laughs) correct in their original movie we did have communists all through our congress and now Mm -hmm. they're coming out of the closet so to speak and they're shameless so then he gets home, he goes to his little Southern Baptist church across the, uh, the state of Iowa and notices uh, after being, you know, inundated with communist talking points and the kinds of words that they sort of create their own glossary of terms. He goes back to church on Sunday morning and notices that the, you know, the senior pastor of his Baptist church is retiring on his way out and a new guy comes in. And he's using all the same language. Uh, he's hearing the same talking points, same language that he's just been listening to over the production of a, a different movie about Congress for the previous year. And it's, it's communist talking points. And he's thinking to himself, why is the pastor using the same glossary as communists? So he uh, ironically realized something was going on and he wasn't sure what it was and started doing the research. And he came to me and said, something's happening in the church and I'm, I'm discovering things that are very unsettling. And, uh, would you help me? And I said, sure. I agreed to it. And we started a three and a half year journey of making this documentary movie. And, um, every, every Christian in America, I hope will watch the film because, mm-hmm. It's going to show you how serious this is. Yes. It's not a conspiracy. It's a fact. We're not, we're not putting up, we're not proposing things that we think might be happening. We're, we're giving you the evidence of things that already have happened. So it's not a conspiracy movie. It's, it's a fact of what is going on. Everyone needs to see the film because it will help you identify problems emerging in your own congregation. It seems to be crossing denominational lines. It's in every denomination. It, it's in all the Bible colleges, all the Bible schools. Yes. It's permeating the fabric of our society, and we've got to stop it before it becomes um, unstoppable. Pastor Kerry, would it be fair to say that Enemies Within the Church is kind of similar? It's kind of the um, Curtis Bowers agenda documentary version of what's happening in the church. He talked a lot about culture and politics. You're talking a lot about the church. Would that be fair? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think our movie is definitely very unique. Um, Kappa Studios did the post, post-production of the film. And according to them, of course, they're the ones that do The Chosen, if, if your audience has ever enjoyed that show, uh, based on the Gospels about Jesus. It's a, it's a drama, a historical fiction about the Lord Jesus. Really high quality. It's made in Hollywood, uh, produced in Hollywood anyway. It's probably filmed somewhere else, but... Um, it, it's it's an exceptionally well done show in Hollywood, and the owner of Kappa Studios is a wonderful Christian man. He loves the Lord with all of his heart, mm. and Kappa Studios produced our film, and they have said that our documentary is unique from anything maybe that's ever been done, and it's because it's sort of put together um, as a sermon, so to speak. Mm. So uh, it's definitely unique. It's it's uh, in terms of education. Yes, it's very similar to Curtis Bowers' yes. um, movie that he he did, but it, it's definitely in its own genre. Okay, so it's enemieswithinthechurch.com. Pastor Kerry Gordon, you're a pastor. 
of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. And you're talking about communism. Some There may be some listeners <laughs> that are going scratching their head, go, wait a minute, you're talking about communism and other things, and, and yet you're a pastor. So give us a little bit about your background of, of your, how you came to be a pastor and your, your training, and then now how you've been fighting in this culture war that we've had. Because a lot of pastors won't venture into the uh, areas that you're you know, fighting in. Well, that's absolutely true, and that's actually one of the topics of the film. There, there is a teaching that emerged about 100 years after the Reformation called pietism, mm. and it was aberrant in church history. It was not something that the majority of the church had ever embraced uh, for the previous 1,500 years, and it's the idea that the church should have absolutely nothing to do with society, nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with law. That 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 is not what the majority of the church ever believed in all of the early centuries of Christianity until it happened in Germany after the Reformation, and pietism moved to the United States, and today 98-99% of the church is in, in some degree in agreement with the teaching of pietism that the church should remain completely separate from the political arena. And that was how I was brought up. I'm a third-generation minister. My grandfather preached the gospel for about 70 years and uh, was a tremendous man. He led a lot of people to the Lord. He was uh, an evangelist, but also a, a pastor as he got older. And my father then also preached the gospel for over 50 years before he retired. And this is my 28th year of pastoring myself, so I'm three generations deep, and I've got six kids, three boys, three girls, and <laughs> Lord willing, I hope that one or two or all three of my sons will carry on the legacy of our family and continue preaching the gospel. We just have to see how that works. My littlest is only four, so we've <laughs> got to give him time. Yeah. But my oldest is 19. He serves the church now. He's a wonderful young man, and mm. all all my kids love the Lord. I'm excited about that. So, But I guess the fastest way to get to the bottom line on why, why does a pastor get involved in, in an anti-communist movement <laughs> is simply because of this. I think if, if you're to say, what is it with Christianity and communism? Communism historically hates Christianity. Kim Jong-un, um, if you're caught with a the Bible there in 2011, he took uh, about 80 Christians, tied them to posts, and shot them, executed them with machine guns mm -hmm. in front of stadiums filled with men, women, and children by the thousands watching. Why, why does the dictator of North Korea execute North Korean citizens who are caught with a Bible? That's a question people need to answer. Yes. Uh, why does the Chinese government find Christianity untenable? It's simply because of this. It's the same reason Nero could not stand Christianity. Caesar could not stand Christianity. Um, there was so much persecution in the, in the first few centuries under the Roman dictatorships. Because in, in Rome government was God. And the Christian, the hallmark of Christianity, what makes it unique among all the religions, is we, we appeal to a higher transcendent authority. Christians will say, it is better for us to obey God than, than men, like the disciples did when they were told not to preach the name of Jesus in the Bible. They said, no, it is better for us to obey God than men. They were appealing to an authority that is higher than mere men. Mm. And uh, any kind of statist government, whether it be fascism like you saw in Germany, World War II, or Chinese-styled communism today, or North Korean-styled communism, which some would argue is more maniacal and dangerous, regardless of the style, any statist government will not allow real Christianity in their nation because it is a threat to their position on the throne of God. Mm -hmm. So government wants to be God in a state of society, and Christianity will not allow it. So this is what makes Christianity a problem for communism, and I am a Christian pastor. I understand the teachings of the Bible. I know why Kim Jong-un wants to shoot you if you get caught with the Bible. I understand why the Chinese government sees Christianity as the root of Western civilization. And I know that my teaching, my faith, the gospel that we find in the scriptures will not survive in a nation of Christians who start to think just like statists. And um, the pure gospel will be watered down and pounded out and washed away and covered up with other talking points 
And that's exactly what they're doing. They're washing away the truth of the transcendent authority of the Scripture with the social justice substitutes. They They are... counterfeits. They're illegitimate. They're teachings that sound good, feel good, smell good, look good, but Mm -hmm. they're not biblical. They're ultimately corrupt at the very root, and they're using them to press down against those things in the Scripture that hinder communism and accentuate the things that would throw out a welcome mat for communism. And, And Ultimately, uh, it's not just economic. It has to do with human sexuality. It has to do with um, the color of your skin and and all of the complaints about racism or allegations of racism. They're using everything they can to divide and conquer in every single direction. And um, instead of seeing that we are the great villains of history because we put Jesus on the cross— And instead of seeing Jesus as the great victim of history, the social justice movement is teaching everyone they are the great victims, and everyone should repent to them. It is a a brilliant, evil substitute for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. There is so much in what you just shared. We could do a a half a dozen follow-up questions, but I have some other questions I want to get to about the documentary, Enemies Within the Church. It was created to expose the social justice gospel that's corrupting and destroying churches and Bible schools, seminaries. But you just made a connection, Pastor Kerry, and just elaborate on—we only have three minutes left in this segment— but elaborate on the connection between the social justice gospel and communism, because you just made these connections with, with, with the LGBTQ, with race, with, with feel-good theology. And so what's—tell us about that connection a little bit more. Well, as, as people will see when they look at the documentary film, the entire homosexual movement, which really culminated in 1973, that entire movement was— led really by one man, and he was an avowed communist. When they can tear apart human sexuality and the importance of the true nuclear family, a man and a woman come together, they're married until death do they part, and they produce children and bring them up. If they can destroy that, they understand that is the, the, the foundation upon which civil government rests. So if they want to change our civil government, they know they must break up our families and then they can create the kind of mentalities necessary for a nanny state. If you grow up in a, in a home that's fatherless or motherless or both, then you're used to the idea of someone else needs to step in and pick up the slack and help me, and the government can fulfill that need as your mama and your papa. So ultimately, communism is a nanny state. It's a, that's what communism is. Mm-hmm. And so breaking up the family makes people more psychologically um, more psychologically prepared to accept a different form of government. Hmm. And uh, that's exactly what's going on. So th- all the war about sexuality, what gender, all of this has a nefarious purpose behind it, and it's very political. Yes, it is. And uh, by the way, we have to mention uh, Trevor Loudon is uh, one of the producers, correct? That's right. Yep, and we of course we've had him on this podcast. We love him. I first uh, learned about him and his work during uh, Curtis Bowers' agenda documentaries, and so we appreciate Trevor and and yourself. And we want to come back and talk a little bit about Peacemakers Institute. It's just I want to give people an idea of of what you do, the work you've done, what's out there, and what's available. And we'll, of course, we'll dive into a few more questions on this very important documentary, friends. I encourage you to look it up. It's Enemies Within the Church, and the website is enemieswithinthechurch.com. Pastor Kerry, there is a Facebook page, too, as well? I believe there is. I think if you just search Enemies Within the Church on Facebook, you'll find it. And what's the best way for people to get a hold of you personally? Um, They could email me. They could send an email to conservativearms at gmail.com or just reach out to the uh, official Enemies Within the Church contact forums, the media forums there uh, on our website, enemieswithinthechurch.com. Great, because you are showing this church at different, I mean, this documentary, different churches around the country. So we want to get people to invite them there and get this documentary out there. More in just a minute. 
your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Pastor Carrie Gordon, co-producer, narrator of the new documentary, Enemies Within the Church. He's also on the pastoral team of Cornerstone Church in Sioux City, Iowa. He is the senior pastor and also serves as president of Peacemakers Institute. Pastor Carrie, I just want to give you a minute to share um, about Peacemakers Institute for our audience. Well, thank you. I I built the school. It's an e-school, and I built it Oh, I want to say 14, 15 years ago, and it's systematic theology, and it's the kind of thing where you can you can learn the Bible in the comfort of your own home. You don't have to pick up your entire family and move to a brick-and-mortar school and deal with all the challenges of bringing up children and trying to work a side job and attend class every morning. So it's flexible, and you can study the scripture at home, and we like to see students finish in about a two-year period, and they just go through uh, a systematic study of the Bible every day. We encourage our students, you you study the curriculum for about 30 minutes, then you spend 30 minutes in prayer, because we want mm-hmm. people to be balanced. We don't want it to be all head knowledge and no relationship with the Lord. So 30 minutes of study, 30 minutes of prayer, one of our biggest goals, obviously, other than just teaching people the Bible so they ha- they're biblically literate and understand what the Scriptures are teaching us. But also, we want, we want to develop the habit that so many Christians don't have yes. of daily communion with the Lord, daily study of the Scripture every day. Because if you start your day with the Bible, it changes your day. And, and if you live day to day, it changes your life. Amen. And so that's really what we do, and we encourage people to look us up. It's uh, peacemakersinstitute.com. Uh, or you can type in peacemakersonline.com. Either one will work. And you can check out our school there. And it's very inexpensive. I think the curriculum for people who amortize it, I think it's about $35 a month. Um, or you can pay it in one big lump. And I think the curriculum ends up costing, uh, the, the schooling costs about 1500 somewhere around there. Peacemakers Institute. I, I'm thankful that you are doing that and you started that because... As we know, those of us who have been paying attention throughout the decades, seminaries are not even safe anymore. They've been hijacked by the social justice movement, and they many of them don't even believe in the inerrancy of Scripture anymore. Um, so you're right. It, it's very, very sad. Would you like to comment on that briefly? Well, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And, and in fact, I would say that that's been the front line of transforming the church, is first getting the seminaries and Bible colleges and filling them with professors that do not believe in the inerrancy of Scripture and are aggressively promoting uh, ideas that would be friendly toward communism and socialism. Many of our students are being taught, young pastors, that Jesus was a socialist, that Jesus is is okay with socialism, or Jesus is really excited and happy about socialism. And so the next generation of pastors that are coming out of these schools uh, we're not going to be able to recognize Christianity if we don't stop it. Mm-hmm. You made a comment in an interview I read um, over at Christian ChristianityDaily.com um, when they were talking about enemies within the church, the documentary. And I want you to, to connect a few dots for us when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement and these uh, well, the, the promotion of racial division— um, you said this, and, and the reason I bring this up is a year ago, we saw what happened when our cities were burning, when people were being attacked, when there was looting and rioting, and it was almost endorsed by a good portion of our country, which was shocking to me, the lawlessness, open rebellion, and it was people were being affected, businesses lost, burned, uh, lives were, were taken. Um, but you said this, and it, it's, it's referred to commonly as the social justice gospel. That's why we made the movie to educate people so they can understand the danger that's lurking. It's really a Christian version of Marxism. Um, talk to us further about that, Kerry. Absolutely. Well, if you go back in history in 1848, and uh, Karl Marx, uh, from whence the name Marxism is derived, came up with the idea, um, which was... Um, very accurate and biblical, that if you divide people, you can conquer them. And he wanted to 
take the society that was in the middle 1800s and break it apart. And he decided to do it into two segments. And you might probably be uh, familiar with the idea that he wanted to break people apart between the workers, the average ordinary working man, Mm -hmm. and the people who owned everything. So it was the workers against the owners or um, the people that work at the job versus the boss. And he divided using envy and complaints and oftentimes legitimate grievances, by the way, not just all made up silly stuff. I mean, they had legitimate grievances. He would exploit those legitimate grievances between the common worker and the owner and then divide them apart in an effort to shatter society economically. And that was primarily his goal was focused only on dividing people by economic strata. But then, uh, you know, he passed away and his idea was really successful. And at one point, the next generation of Marxists said, you know what, if breaking people into two groups worked so well, maybe (laughs) we should break them into three groups. And so in the early 1900s, there was a big movement that um, started to add the idea of gender and sex in there. And it, it was primarily women's rights. And so the feminist movement began to take off. And instead of just the the owners versus the workers, it was also the gender wars between men and women. So now we had another dimension of segregating and breaking people up into grievance groups, making them mad at one another so that he could reassemble society so that they could reassemble society. And now what's happening today, it is the exact same thing. You could call this Marxism 3.0 because they, they figured out, hey, if three different areas, uh, owners, workers, and sex and gender. Uh, If those three divisions work so well, maybe let's just keep adding new ones every other day. And so now what you have, this all falls under the term of intersectionality. Mm -hmm. And so I call it Marxism 3.0, because now you can get an aggrievance group because you're uh, a lesbian Nazi hooker abducted by a UFO and forced into a weight loss program. So you have your own um, private little grievance group over there. And then on the other side of the room, you have people that were born in a man's body, but they identify as a woman and they cross dress. And so they have a special grievance group for them. And intersectionality is just basically an endless way of finding a, uh, a group you belong to that's grieved, that has been wronged some way by society. And so now you're, they're splitting the world apart into 20 or 30 different directions. And, you know, like on Facebook, the, the joke has been for the last couple of years, there's like 38 different genders now. And this is all Marxism 3.0. It's just a way for you to feel like, you know, someone's wronged you, you have a grievance, and therefore people should listen to what you have to say. And after they get done shattering society, they're going to put it back together in what they're un- unfortunately successfully doing right now. Mm-hmm. They're converting the United States into a big socialist swamp. Yeah, and uh, the only thing I would say is, um, uh, you know, they are actually boasting sixty or seventy, I think, genders. And where does it stop? That's why they put oh, the, the the LGBTQ plus. What does plus right. mean, right? They can be whatever they want, whatever they want to add after that. Uh, Carrie, you said something very important, and it was disappointing last year because you brought up wokeism. It's disappointing to, it, to see so many Christians, um, and I want to parenthetically insert. Uh, so-called Christians, because who knows if some really are or not, but many got on the Black Lives Matter bandwagon and supported the movement, failing to understand, either they're naive or they were going along with it, that by joining BLM, they associated with those who openly rebel against the truth of God, blaspheme the Bible or Jesus Christ, and yet they continued to support this because it was the feel-good thing to do. So tell us how and why wokeism has infiltrated the American church and how you address that in the documentary uh, Enemies Within the Church. Well, the primary tool that's being used is racism. And uh, very similar, if you go back to Marxism 1.0, 1848, Karl Marx, I pointed out that there were legitimate grievances between mm-hmm. workers and owners. There were abuses. Some of the owners did ridiculous things. They made people work hours that were uh, unspeakable. It was child labor. Mm-hmm. So there were things uh, in society that were wrong, and, and they weren't 
they weren't being handled correctly, and there was a callousness and a hardness. So Karl Marx exploited legitimate grievances and used them as a tool. And the thing is, he didn't care. He didn't care about child labor. He didn't care about those issues. He just wanted to reshape society and amass power to people who agreed with him. And that's what's happening now. So you have Christians and this issue of racism, for example. None of us believe that racism is biblical. We all know that it's antithetical to the teachings of, of Jesus Christ yes. to mistreat someone based on the color of the skin that they have. Their skin melanin has nothing to do with anything. We're all created in God's image. We all have one blood, and it's red, and it came from Adam and was atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So racism is wrong. We're all very sensitive to that because we, we hate it. You can see the movies about what happened uh, to some of the great heroes of American history who fought against racism. And your blood will boil when you see how people treated other people based on the color of their skin. Mm. And so when you present the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, most Christians think, oh, black lives do matter. Well, we can't treat black people bad. And, and we all agree with that. Mm -hmm. But what they don't understand is the people that founded it are absolute communists. They hate the Bible. They have gone to their website. They, yes. they say things so blasphemous against Jesus Christ. So you have these pastors that are like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm against racism. I'm going to go march with BLM. Well, well, the BLM movement, you know, they burned 100 American cities. They destroyed um, untold numbers of businesses and lit them on fire. I mean, they threatened people's lives. They, they acted in violence. None of that is conducive to Christianity. So... How can you walk in solidarity with a group that publicly blasphemes Jesus, hates the Bible, they're aggressively pro-homosexual, they're aggressively antithetical to the Scripture in almost every fundamental way, just because they're saying that they're against racism? I call into question whether or not they're really fighting racism. I don't think they are at all. Mm. I think that they know exactly what they're doing. They're exploiting emotions. They're exploiting emotions because they have a different agenda, and the agenda is to amass power to themselves and convert the United States to communism. That is what they're really doing, and we need to be smart enough not to let them exploit our emotions and toy with us. Yes, we're against racism, but ironically, when you start using terms like white privilege, you are the racist <laughs> in the Where's Waldo picture. Exactly, but it's not uh, politically correct to say, if, if you're not white, to say things about a white person being racist. That, that, that can be okay because white people are the original racists, right? But um, it's interesting. Yeah. You said this in, in uh, the article that I was referring earlier um, referring to, you said, we want people who are hardcore leftists who aggressively pervert the Bible to either repent or be marked. I love yeah. that. So everyone will stop sending Black Lives Matter money and helping them pervert the gospel. Please expound on that a little bit. I love that. Well, it's the truth. I mean, uh, the Lord Jesus warned us how many times over and over and over a false Christ will emerge, mm. a false Christianity, false shepherds, false prophets. Many will come in that day in my name. And he was just saying, they're not right. They're not representing me. They're not representing the true gospel. The Apostle Paul warned us about the same thing. He said, I know that after I am gone, savage wolves will come in among you. Mm. From the outside, yeah, sometimes, but Paul seems to say they would come from within us. Yep. That's why we call our movie Enemies Within the Church. The Bible warns us that enemies of Christianity come from within our own groups. And what could better illustrate that than the fact that the Lord Jesus was betrayed ultimately by one of his own 12 disciples. So this is a hallmark of our faith. We know people within our fellowship can turn against God and turn against the gospel. And we always have to be on our guard to protect the gospel. We're not just here to preach it. You can't preach the gospel you won't protect. You can't preach a truth you won't defend. And so, unfortunately, there is a negative work of the gospel. The positive is the message. The negative is having to defend it from people who pervert the message. We have to do both. And if people will not repent for 
tangling with the gospel and construing it and messing it up and misleading God's people. If they won't stop and they won't repent, then they need to be publicly marked because they're a danger to everybody. We're not publicly marking people out of a, a spirit of vengeance and wanting to walk, want people on the head. We're marking people because we love the body of Christ. We yes. don't want people to be misled. Yes, and we must defend the truth. I want to ask you briefly, we only have a few minutes left here, but you do expose um, man, the, the Southern Baptist Church and some apostates, it's really sad because you thought that that was a safe denomination at least a couple of decades ago. Share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, that was one of the hardest things about the film that was so disappointing to me is, uh, you know, there, there are some men that have compromised the gospel inside the Southern Baptist Convention that I used to really admire myself, mm-hmm. yes. people that I looked up to, that I, I appreciated the wonderful uh, quality of the articles that they would produce on different Bible topics. The Bible teaching was so rich and so good. Like, for example, from Al Mohler. I met Al Mohler years ago and went and had barbecue with him. I really looked up to him, loved him, thought very highly of him. I would reference him sometimes when I was preaching in the pulpit and give a quote of some article he had published on a certain Bible topic, you know, many years earlier, and had always thought well of him, didn't know him really well or anything, just met him one time, had lunch, but looked up to him as a scholar and as a student of the Scripture. And so it was heartbreaking for me to find out that he had, you know, after, you know, 30 years of standing for solid biblical truth on the authority of Scripture over human sexuality, he completely backed away from it and repented publicly yes. for previously having held biblical views of sexual orientation. And so when once that happened, I mean, that's heartbreaking. That's really hard to see that happen to someone you've looked up to. And I have a feeling that's going to happen for a lot of people when they watch yes. the movie. A lot of men just can't take the pressure, I guess. Decades of pressure and wanting to fit in and wanting to be relevant. Yep. It's hard to know the motives, but for whatever reason, people tend to conform to the world and the culture in which they live, and that's why the Bible warns us, be not conformed to this world, but Amen. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we have to be on guard mentally that to always defend right thinking and right doctrine and right teaching out of the Scripture, because there's this overwhelming pressure that really emanates from the spirit of Antichrist to push us and pressure us to conform our thinking to the society in which we live. The gospel's purpose is to tell society their thinking is wrong, and they must conform themselves to the authority of God. But unfortunately, if we're not strong enough, the opposite happens. Yeah, amen. Use the word relevant, and man, has that word taken on a new meaning in the last couple decades in the Church, wanting to be relevant instead of biblical. But Pastor Kerry Gordon, how can someone host a showing of this new documentary, Enemies Within, at their church? How can they approach their pastor and get more information? Oh, wonderful. You can go to the website, enemieswithinthechurch.com, and when you go to purchase the movie, you can actually purchase a license based on the number of people you want to show it to instantly, and you can stream it. Or you can order a DVD and do it that way. Um, But the license for groups is fast and easy right on the website. But if you want to do a screening, which means you show the movie publicly and have someone from the movie, like me or Trevor Loudon or Judd Saul, physically come and then answer questions afterward, we can arrange that too. You would do that through media inquiries at the top of the website. EnemiesWithinTheChurch.com. Pastor Kerry Gordon, thank you for all that you're doing. God bless you, and uh, continue to keep fighting the good fight, brother. Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. God bless everybody. Thank you so much. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about an update on that case at the Supreme Court to decide whether or not to continue murdering babies. We've got an update, and where could this go? We'll do a little speculating, but give you a lot of information, even something that's connected to the Christmas story about Mary's pregnancy. Huh, what's that about? When we come back on Stand Up For The Truth, keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. So before we get into the article and uh, talk about this important Supreme Court case, I want to remind you we are offering a special Christmas discount on my book, Canceling Christianity. 
I don't mention it a lot, but I do want to remind you as it gets closer to Christmas, uh, for believers in Christ, don't give this to uh, an atheist, a leftist, or a communist. They will hate you. No, I'm kidding. Well, maybe that's, that might be true. Um, but until December 10, we're offering, um, if you get six or more copies of the book, $10 each. Um, if you get a case of books, if you'd like to give a lot of them away, maybe to people in your Bible study group or church, you can get them for $8.50 each. That's a case of books, 24 books for $8.50 each, and that is while supplies last. I believe here we're down to about six cases. So let me know through the radio station here, through Stand Up For The Truth, the comments at standupforthetruth.com if you'd like if you, more information on getting copies of Canceling Christianity. People that come in the studios here in De Pere, Green Bay, Wisconsin, they're $20 a piece. So getting them for eight fifty each, as you know, that's a pretty good discount. So let's get into this story. It's not a story. This is actually what's happening. It's our history. I want to jump ahead to something that was really eye-opening to me. And talking about, Pastor Kerry Gordon mentioned Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Let me read you a quote. The United States has taken an extreme position on abortion compared to the rest of the world. We are one of just a handful of countries that permit elective abortion past five months of pregnancy. You ready? Placing us in the company of China and North Korea. Let that sink in, friends. Where is the resistance to the Holocaust of abortion? Roe v. Wade places no limits on late-term abortion. In some states, as we've talked about on this podcast, abortion is legal, allowed, permitted. Throughout all nine months of pregnancy, they're murdering babies in a country that used to be known as a Christian nation. In contrast, most of Europe limits elective abortion even prior to 15 weeks, making this new Mississippi law the center of, uh, at the center of this new Supreme Court case liberal in comparison to even Europe. So how do you feel, the United States of Entertainment, to be mentioned in the same breath as China and North Korea when it comes to abortion policy and the culture of death? How does that make you feel? Okay, thousands of years, human beings have been considered, if you're a mom, if, or if you're a, a, a woman, I should say, human beings have been considered uh, to be with child. Women who were pregnant were considered to be, quote, with child. Why? Because they are carrying a living, growing, developing baby in the womb. So why are so many people still confused about this? Because we legalized it in 1973. In the Supreme Court, right? The law of the land. Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Supreme Court doesn't legislate. The judicial branch doesn't legislate. Um, so we've forgotten, apparently, the value that God has placed on every single human life created in his image. Abortion took center stage this week again. Because the Supreme Court, as you know, heard oral arguments over whether or not Mississippi's ban on abortions after 15 weeks gestation is constitutional. If only we believed a very basic truth shared every year around Christmas time from the history involving the birth of Jesus Christ and the pregnancy of his teenage mother, Mary. It's fascinating that the court is taking up this case to kick off Christmas season to decide whether or not they will continue to allow the murder of babies in the womb. Um, regardless of what you've heard, the talking points, the progressive propaganda, we know exactly when life begins. We know exactly what God said in his word about when a human life is conceived. We know exactly about the value that he places on life in the womb and we know why a baby in the womb should be protected. We know why God believes an infant, a child with child, a baby in the womb has dignity and is deserving of the right to be born. So let's go to Luke chapter 1. 
I did an article on this this week, and I, that's why I did a video, my weekly video for Freedom Project Media called Christ and Culture. That's the series. I do a video every week. For those of you that are new listening to the podcast, check out freedomproject.com. So Luke chapter 1, when a messenger was sent from God to Mary, saying she would conceive in her womb, miraculously, because she was a virgin, and she would give birth to a son and was told to give him the name Jesus, Mary, soon after that, traveled to a city near Judah to visit Zechariah, a priest from the tribe of Judah, and his wife Elizabeth, who at the time was pregnant with John the Baptist. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, which says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop! Wait a minute. In her womb? God called it a baby. The baby leaped in her womb. And she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who was the fruit of Mary's womb? Jesus. God. Mighty God. Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus. Mighty God. Did you catch that, though? To God, according to God, what the left calls a clump or a fetus or a choice, he declares it a baby. Also notice that Elizabeth's child, John the Baptist, jumped for joy in his mother's womb, acknowledging the unborn Jesus in Mary's womb. Talk about a baby kicking. And then Mary praised her Savior. Catch this. This is an interesting side note. Mary exalted Jesus. Verse 46, Luke chapter 1, Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Don't miss this overlooked fact that Mary worships the Lord her Savior. Even Mary needs to be redeemed. Even Mary needed a Savior. Just like you and I, Mary needed a Savior. But sadly for many today, when it comes to life and the womb and what the Bible teaches, um, they ignore it. It's a, this is yet another issue that they could care less about. And by the way, some could care less about the so-called science they claim to follow. Why? They're ignoring what apparently intelligent men on the Supreme Court didn't know in 1973. Well, what happens in a mother's womb, in a woman's Womb when she becomes pregnant. When does life begin? What's in there? What's growing and moving? <laughs> Jeez. What, what, what's that heart beating in the mother's womb? That's a different body. That's a separate body with separate DNA in the womb of a mother. Well, they claimed ignorance about life at conception. However, God, the Bible, science, and technology now shout the truth about human life in the womb. The question is, friends, are we listening so the Supreme Court took up arguments this week in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. Keep your eye on this and pray. Pray that we would be able to cultivate a culture of life in America again by just doing away with this awful, immoral evil that is known as Roe v. Wade. Um, by the way, it, may, it, it could be overturned. Uh, there's a very good indication that that might, it's one of the options, one of the possibilities. But think about this. Once upon a time, the Supreme Court invented a right to abortion. They invented that. You cannot find language that supports their decision anywhere in the Constitution. They invented it. At the very least, states should decide. At best, they should abolish all abortion. In America, abolish it by outlawing it. Yes, that may seem like harsh language to some of you, but if you if you know it's life, if you know it's a human life, it's a baby separate from its mother. It is a life. Babies can feel pain in the womb. Then shouldn't we outlaw? Shouldn't that be illegal to murder a preborn baby? So that's what Mississippi is trying to do. 
in this case, and that has you know trying to do outdo uh, 1992's Casey versus Planned Parenthood too, when it talks about uh, pre-viability abortions. But let me quote Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. We just had Pastor Kerry Gordon on from Enemies Within the Church. He's in Iowa. Governor Kim Reynolds said, The question in the case is simple, yet it lies at the heart of the American experiment. Does the U.S. Constitution require states to withhold legal protection? from an entire class of defenseless human beings. According to any straightforward reading of the Constitution, the answer to that question has always been a resounding no. But as we know, friends, ever since Jesus, the Ten Commandments, prayer, and Bible reading were expelled from progressive government schools in America many decades ago, abortion has been one of the most contentious and divisive topics in America. And there is a connection. Let's talk about uh, George Barna and some of the research that he did, uh, there are deep theological questions that have been birthed since uh, this debate over abortion has been going on in our country. Um, And they've made it a political issue. The left wants it to be a political issue. That way they can claim separation of church and state. You can't talk about abortion in the church. That's a political issue. Is it? Is it? Well, modern technological advances have provided a front row seat now through a window to the womb now, they say, to the miraculous voyage of life that occurs between fertilization and birth. Did you know that at just 15 weeks, an unborn baby's heart has already beat more than 15 million times? Doctors can tell whether a baby is right or left-handed based on the thumb he or she prefers to suck. Um, There's a reason. There's a reason why, because of this, what we have allowed, the evil that we have allowed to continue. And I thank God for the pro-life movement and those who have been fighting this battle. But we've got to change people's hearts through the gospel then their worldview will logically and naturally change to support life in the womb because it will support the Bible and believe the Bible. Um, But there's a reason why churches and other nations send missionaries to America to preach the gospel of repentance and evangelize what they call, quote, the immoral, decadent West. Um, So in nearly 50 years since Roe v. Wade, America has eliminated life on a massive scale. We're talking about well over 60 million preborn babies. While science makes it clear the Bible was right all along. So now George Barna, um, the study that came out, only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. And so-called Christians don't fare much better either. 21% of those who regularly attend churches have a biblical worldview. We've got problems, friends. Biblical illiteracy, and that leads to this culture of death that we have accepted. And we're just kind of conforming to the world like Pastor Kerry Gordon warned about. So thanks for listening. The article is on my website. It's on uh, freedomproject.com. We'll put it in the podcast notes here today. But uh, coming up on Monday, Pastor Carl Gallup's He's got a new book out, but he is also part of a new documentary as well. We'll talk to him about that Monday. Also, Pastor Tim Thompson on Tuesday. John Haller back with us on Thursday. Um, Jay Warner Wallace, he's got a new book out. We talk to him on Friday. God bless you guys. Thanks for your support and your prayers. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Have a great weekend.